0: This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin.
1: Hello, this is Jayden Sancho.
0: And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. to episode 409 of the Yellow AirPods. I'm your host Stefan Wolsko, and today we will talk about, yes you guessed it, Borussia Dortmund <laughs> did sign on a free transfer Niklas Süle next season, next summer. Uh, it's obviously a show everyone sort of has been waiting for, M- me myself has been waiting for it, uh, it's Friday, I wanted to record it uh, as soon as possible but I just didn't find the time. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. We are also going to briefly talk about uh, the 5-2 loss. Uh, (laughs) Incredible defeat against Bayer Leverkusen. And we will try to preview Sunday's game against FC Union Berlin. For that and more, joins me Lars Perlman. Hello Lars, how are you doing?
1: Hello Stefan, I'm fine. Thank you for not blaming me for the belated installment of our episode.
0: No, no. Why would I? Uh, yeah, I mean, to to make yourself look better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'm I'm just busy these days. Okay, I don't I don't have all this time, so uh, it is what it is. And uh, here we are, after all, uh, on on a Friday in good spirits, uh, better spirits than I would have been uh, straight after that defeat. Uh, <laughs> but us uh, you know. <sighs> I feel like the vibe changed with the, uh, you know, w- with first the league and then the official announcement that Niklas Süle is going to join Borussia Dortmund from FC Bayern uh, next summer on a free transfer because, you know, after the loss against Leverkusen, the season felt more over than it felt before, at least to me. You know, it's, it's more about emotions than anything else because I remember uh, sitting here both after the... Uh, Cup defeat against Sampauli and uh we were both surprised how angry we were. Now I personally after the um loss against Leverkusen, I was just empty, I was sort of I don't want to say dead inside, but I I, I just didn't care anymore. You know, and that's never a good sign. And I was like, okay, just bring on the next season, this one is over, and uh you know, it was embarrassing and pathetic, and you know, then the next day brought better news and uh you all of a sudden flick the switch and you're like in a new modus and you're thinking about the squad next season and all that so um let's go ahead and do just that Lars uh you had now almost a whole week to process this news what are you making of it uh yes (laughs) yeah
1: I'm didn't quite follow your train of thought I suppose sorry um Yeah, I mean, uh, whenever you can sign a proven, internationally experienced player who knows your league, knows the language, uh, is coming to the best age uh, for centre-backs because he's going to be 27 in September or something, I think. Um, Yeah, on a free from Bayern. Uh, As long as he's motivated, I think that's a slam dunk deal. Uh, When the rumours first started last week, Uh, I kind of felt like questioning the motives of a player moving down from Bayern to Dortmund, Uh, as hard as that may be to admit, but it is definitely a step down in most aspects uh, outside of the financials in this case. Um, But I think it's now, having read some of the the statements he's put out and his agent has put out and what the club has said, it seems fairly obvious that they are convinced uh, and... They meaning both Zule uh, and Dortmund's officials that this is the right kind of step for him, uh, turning from you know one of the let's say players number twelve to sixteen in Bayern's hierarchy to you know one of the absolute leaders of Dortmund. Probably something that Zule is going to relish, especially given that he has a case when he says he hasn't really been appreciated. Uh, as much as he would want at Bayern, given, you know, how they've talked about him even before uh, announcing moving to Dortmund, uh, Karlsruhebbenigel.
0: What exactly uh, did he say? Or uh, roughly? Yeah,
1: he he said that Zulu, despite playing uh, basically every game this season, uh, never really made it out of, you know, the state of a pretty okay defender at Bayern. So he wasn't one of the linchpins of the team, or even their backline, according to Rummenigge, Which I mean, just ask Julian Nagelsmann how he feels about that. I mean, I, I mean, has I'm, I'm quite asking you,
0: not I mean, to interject, but w- I'm going to do it any- anyway. isn't Rummenigge the same guy who said after Hummels left uh, Bayern for Dortmund that the best German defender is still playing for Bayern? I'm pretty sure at that point he meant Zule. No, isn't that the same Rummenigge, or am I mixing those up since there too?
1: No, no, it's the very same, and I mean, it's obviously about the narrative and, and controlling the narrative, which is something that Bayern are used to, because they have a lot of, uh, let's say, friendly media corporations in that regard. Um, yeah, and, and, and obviously, if you ask Nagelsmann, he he doesn't need to answer any questions, because he's selected Zulu continuously this season. Uh, I know Bayern fans want to make it out as if Zulu uh, is only filling in for whenever uh, Upermicano or Hernandez aren't available, and because Pavar can play inside because of a lack of a right back. But uh, the proof is in the pudding, and Nagelsmann is definitely a big fan and supporter of Zulus. He even said uh, today that he's quite sad to see him go, and I don't think it's because he's going to Dortmund. It's rather because he would have liked to keep him. Um, which makes sense, because Sule, uh is a good player, I mean, we don't have to go overboard and, and act like he's the one-man solution for all of Dortmund's miseries, but we also don't have to denounce a player that has come back from two uh, ACL injuries uh, in his still pretty young career for a centre-back, who's won the Champions League, was really instrumental in that final against uh, PSG uh, coming off the bench, I think. In the first half, if I'm not mistaken, after you know a month-long break from one of those ACL injuries, uh, I think he has like 36 or so uh, international games for Germany, or um, the experience of winning titles with Bayern. So, as I said before, the the big question for me was what are what's the motivation for a guy like that to move down to Dortmund, which is why uh, in. If you'd asked me, uh, let's say, Sunday evening, which centre-back do you want to have, I wouldn't have necessarily said Zulu. I probably would have said uh, Schlotterbeck or Freiburg. Um, but as I said, they seem to be convinced, both sides, that this is the right kind of step and there's nothing for me to argue otherwise. So until until proven otherwise, I'm going to assume that Zul is going to come to Dortmund, be the leader he's supposed to be. And... Probably displace Manuel Akanji from the starting eleven unless uh, there's going to be a back three.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's also what's going to happen. And I must say I've uh, by now talked myself into it, and it didn't take much convincing me <laughs> that this is a genius move, and I'm elated because I think Niklas Zule could have gone to the Premier League, and I think last week on the show I said as much that I expect him to play in the Premier League, but now that he is Dortmund bound and, uh, you know, he's coming with a lot of fuck you energy and I'm very much here for it because I think he will be revered in the Westfalen Stadion if it's sold out and opponents just ping off Niklas Süle because he's a big unit. Let's not, you know, kid ourselves. It's going to be fun to watch him defend for most of the part. I don't know if collectively it will be fun because, you know, as you've seen against Leverkusen, Dortmund have a lot of work to do, but in the meantime, let's just focus on the vacuum that is Niklas Zule. And, you know, I think in so many aspects this is a really great coup for Dortmund because, A, I was pretty convinced beforehand anyway that uh, Akanji is going to leave. And in, in that regard, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that Dortmund will pay two centre-backs sort of the top top salary the are both right footed with Thomas anyway yeah exactly and uh yeah but but just just two right footed center backs basically for that one position uh, if if you're not playing a three at the back and even if you were i still don't see it happening just from a financial standpoint so uh to me the Zulu news immediately confirmed that Akanji is going to leave and you know you obviously it's not straightforward plus-minus game where you say, okay, you get him on an absolute free because, yeah, it's going to be a signing bonus and whatnot. But but still, you know, you're probably going to pay Zula roughly the amount you would have offered Akanji. And uh, I think you will recoup a nice transfer fee, be it in the 25 to 30 million area uh, for Akanji if he goes to Manchester United or wherever. And obviously... You know, it's also not that simple because then you still have to pay tax from that yada yada yada. But nevertheless, you will make a good chunk of money, and I think at the same time you will upgrade the position because in my book, Niklas Zule with all the attributes you have already mentioned is better than Manuel Akanji in in my view. And um, you know, I also like uh, that he, he committed to Dortmund. <laughs> You know, as, as you said, we we're all sitting here scratching our heads. You know, it's a little bit baffling because it's a significant step down, especially if you want to uh, have a lot more titles. Because I don't think Dortmund are going to fix all their problems magically over the summer and will be a big title contender anytime soon. I think that's going to take a season or maybe two. If if at all, maybe it'll never happen. Who knows? Uh, lots of moving parts, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's a nice commitment and uh it's also nice to see the reaction from the Bayern camp because I think that's only going to motivate him more. And uh you know, if you talk about the player profile, it is exactly what Dortmund needs going forward because Niklas Sule even though he's super large, he is <laughs> extremely fast. You know, I think uh, if you look at the at the recording speeds of the Bundesliga speed traps. I, I think he's always ranking among the top three or four. It's ridiculous how fast he is as a, as a center back. And um, Akanji is obviously very quick as well. Um, but going forward, um, you already have something nailed down that you need. And now if we can look I, for- Can I
1: interject? Yeah, sure. Um, because when talking about speed data, uh, actually Akanji has been clocked faster this season and I think his top speed is better. But the the interesting thing is, and maybe that's also down to style of defending at Bayern versus Dortmund, that Zulu's uh, average speed is much higher than Akanji's. So, whereas Akanji is, you know, the better pure sprinter perhaps over short distances, which obviously comes in handy when he has to make last-ditch attacks, uh, tackles, which even against Lillokusen he had a couple of those. Um, even uh, while Akanji seems to be better in that regard, Zulu's average speed is higher so despite being you know a a a, a fridge of a man almost um <laughs> a, a behemoth a monster of uh i don't know American let's just call news. him big dick nick <laughs> uh
0: be my guest stefan i'm <laughs> not necessarily gonna do that um uh, uh, yeah we, well that, he, that was a nickname for quarterback nick falls when he won the super bowl so um as you know Lars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i would have preferred big picnic but uh, it didn't happen
0: <laughs> unfortunately not <laughs> anyway uh, before we talk more about the philly special or whatnot let's uh revert to uh Zule. i think and looking at the stats if i think it bears out i think he's also the better passer than a country you know there's not that much in between but i just think overall uh he's an upgrade. I don't know if he's faster than Kanji. Uh it's nice that you've looked into it. But he's still down fast. And uh that's definitely what matters if Dortmund want to continue in the uh uh with with their philosophy of pressing high and pushing up high, which right now, you know, not looking so great. But you know you, you, you gotta still commit, you know, <laughs> somehow, and uh yeah even if you play a different style, you know, pace never hurts. So, um, yeah, in, in, in that regard, I'm I'm just super happy with, uh, you know, having Niklas Zulu. Obviously, there are injury concerns, but, you know, this is uh, a thing you always have with Dortmund and these are the ri- risks you have to take. But uh, to me, uh, it is an absolute no-brainer to, to make this transfer happen when uh, it presents itself. And I mean, you've talked about it. He said that uh, Dortmund officials really, you know, told him that he was very needed. And um, I don't know about you, but with Zule I do not have the same vibe as with a lot of other players that are proven or, or let's say, not proven, but established German internationals like, uh, say, André Schöle or Emre Can, uh, who to me are not really uh, cutting it. I feel like when he arrives in Dortmund that he will actually perform and deliver to his standard and not drop off and fall away and uh, everyone will scratch their heads how how even you know, won the Champions League with Bayern and whatnot. Uh, I don't see that happening. Um, do you see that happening?
1: No. I mean, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, the question of motivation definitely was in my mind but has been answered to, to a satisfactory level at this stage i mean obviously we have to see how it goes when he uh, makes his first few appearances uh but i don't think that necessarily there's been in recent years a an apt comparison for this kind of deal i mean you mentioned schürle and john as you know proven or whatever uh, you want to say <laughs> uh, german internationals but they've also hopped clubs quite a bit i mean uh John didn't really feature at Juventus which is why he was available and actually if if Zule shows the same level of impact as John had in his first half season in Dortmund I think we would all be excited because John had a really strong start at Dortmund and then has faded away because of uh, unavailabilities and being a bit of a drain, a brain-dead idiot sometimes. Uh, Schürrle obviously not as talented as people made him out to be and but he also didn't really uh Fire all cylinders at Wolfsburg, um, and and was obviously a, a dumb idea to sign him for thirty million. But you know that was Tuchel's choice in 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 that regard. So I don't know that necessarily. There's been a case where a player like Zul, who as I said is is not just now going into his his prime years as a centre half, is committing those prime years uh, for or at Dortmund. I mean, I I really don't see any logical comparison we can make and, and I know people who've tried to nitpick this deal to the nth degree for some reason will point out that Dortmund signing from Bayern has, hasn't really necessarily worked out with I mean Rode and Götze and, and even the return of Hummels to an extent but I mean
0: I think the the Hummels return largely has worked out no, yeah, but
1: people don't see it that way. And, and Even if they don't, I mean, still the comparison isn't there because Hummels was over 30 when he turned uh, returned to Dortmund and, and was always a player that was deficient in physical aspects of the game. uh, Goethe, uh flamed out at Bayern ultimately because of uh, physical problems, which he turned uh, out to have also in Dortmund. And Rode obviously never had the quality to play for Bayern in the first place and had all the physical issues, so... I mean, we are talking about Zulu because of two ACL injuries, which are kind of freak-of-nature in, uh, injuries or accidents, which just happen sometimes to players. I mean, I, I, you could argue that despite that he's uh, been healthier over the years, than uh, Akanji has a doorbone because Akanji is carrying around or has carried around major hip problems that have cost him games uh, pretty much every season he's been here um even this year he had to have an uh, uh, operation on his knee if, if we remember back to december and and even his return to the pitch uh, was delayed a bit uh at the start of this year so yeah
0: and the, the good form evaporated afterwards too you know he needed some time to find back to his best
1: yeah so i mean w- i i guess we are a bit Oh, it is a bit premature to assume that Zule coming in definitely means Akanji going out. Even though I agree with you that that seems to be the the most likely result, and and in 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 that case, you you do have to wonder uh, if if that can be all. I mean, are we much happier with Zule playing next to Hummels next season? Uh, I would uh, argue that. The results would be slightly better, presumably, but, you know, ultimately negligible unless the entire attitude of the team changes um, towards defending. Because especially <laughs> if if we do want to or need to get into Leverkusen at some point of this show. Yeah, I now it's a that good transition was, moment. Yeah. I, I think that game was kind of the, the culmination of everything we've seen this season so far in, in in that this is a team that doesn't know how to defend, doesn't want to defend and doesn't like defending. Um, and signing one player even of the high caliber that Südl represents doesn't necessarily change that. Um, I I don't quite remember, it might have been Jan-Arge Fjortoft uh, saying after the Leverkusen game that everyone who watched Dortmund this season knew deep down that this kind of performance was going to happen, where um, their inability and lack of will in terms of defending would at some point bite them in the behind and uh it's no surprise that it was a uh, pretty much on form leverkusen side that have um you know the, the or that has the recipe to uh punish you when you do- when you're not on your A game and that was definitely the case on sunday
0: yeah no w- without a doubt i mean i'm to to me it's 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 a throwback to the peter bosch era where you know, after two weeks on a proverbial training ground, or not on the actual tra- training ground, and, uh, you know, everyone... I, I think the two weeks are maybe a little bit overhyped because it's also not that much time. It's not like a whole preseason or whatnot. But at least, you know, you would think uh, the team is uh, coming out in a better shape. But the problem is also Leverkusen had two weeks to hone in on Dortmund's issues, and uh, they did that very well. Um, But what, I, what I'm trying to say here, because... Why am I reminded of the Peter Bosch era? Because I think the ultimate downfall of Peter Bosch was that, you know, I I think starting with Young back then is that the aggressive pressing that Bosch wanted to play just did not work out and Dortmund were suffering from counterattacks left, right and center. And in in that game, it was very similar. Um, The first five minutes, Dortmund started really well. I think they had a couple of good turnovers, uh, uh, up front, uh, forcing, uh, you know, Leverkusen into errors. And then, uh, the, the final ball was a little lacking, uh, in, in order to create chances. But, you know, it's, you, you always see this, this season from Dortmund that they start to press really well for a couple of minutes. I think the Freiburg game is the only exception where they were really aggressive, uh, and cohesive for, uh, you know, 60, 70 minutes or so. But apart from that, uh, Dortmund's structure just easily falls apart and it doesn't take much, uh, for opponents to be honest, uh, to, to play through it. Now, given the, uh, second goal that Leverkusen scored was a world class counter attack and I, I feel like you'd rather want to praise them, uh, rather than, uh, you know, talk about how poor Dortmund were, but the, the fact is Dortmund were really poor and, uh, you know, the, uh, Andrich free kick, uh, you know, also was preceded by, a, a devastating counter attack and by a really silly foul by by Mahmoud Dahoud, and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a big problem now because we have to think about next season and uh, what changes there are to be made. You know, when we talk about the back line, you know, we can talk about uh, Nico, Nico Schlotter back all we want, but you can have the two best centre backs next to each other in in the world and it's not going to help you at all if the midfielders and the attackers in front just do not uh, uh, do what the coach says. And uh, that's a big problem right now. Uh, Marco Reus was talking about mental blockages as well. And uh, yeah, it seems to me like there's a flurry of problems and things we've pointed out beforehand. And uh, yeah, that's a big amount of dysfunction. And I feel like you need to... Uh, really clean house in in order to to make it better. I I don't think with the personnel you have right now you can build a winning team because on paper at least to me, Lars, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you have pretty much all the key pieces that you need to play the brand of football that Roma want to play. But for some reason, uh, they're just not doing it. And so I have to assume that uh, going forward. Uh, you can't rely and plan with these kinds of players that Dortmund have right now, and uh, I, I think a lot of tough decisions will have to be made next summer. I don't know, or, or over the next two seasons. I don't know if uh, uh, if it's all going to happen in in one summer, especially you know with so many uh, financial hamstrings let's say <laughs> considering uh the pandemic is still ongoing but uh yeah uh, it, it's really difficult right now to uh to see any any light at the end of this this horrible tunnel because uh, don't want every now and then show up but you know if you look at the first four games or five games this season you had a very lucky win in in, in frankfurt freiburg was the only good performance and we were very uh we were praising them very highly for it. Uh, but then the cup loss against St. Pauli is, you know, a swing in the entirely different direction. And then Hoffenheim was luck, if we're honest. The, the, the goals Dortmund we scored were really beautiful. But apart from that, Hoffenheim were the much better team and Leverkusen was an outright and embarrassing defeat. And uh, yeah, last I don't know if, if you want to uh, analyze more of what needs to change In in Dortmund's roster, but uh, if if you want the floor is yours.
1: I mean, uh, because I'm ever the optimist in in our uh, team, I would not necessarily say that Dortmund are in a horrible state of being. I mean, it's it's it's, they're they're not going to win the league, which we knew already. They they embarrassed themselves in the cup. That hasn't happened for them in in more than a decade, so I guess they will do. I mean, even Bayern went out against Holstein Kiel on penalties last season, so I mean, the cup is the cup that can happen every now and then. Uh, Champions League obviously was inexcusable in, in both result and performances, but I mean, even that can happen. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily paint the bleakest of pictures. Fine. And given given that Dortmund are pretty much nailed on for uh, at least a top three finish in the Bundesliga, pretty likely I would say still to finish second. I mean, that's not necessarily the worst of all positions to be in. Um, a better position one can argue than last season when, while they won the cup, they definitely had to rely on. Uh, Frankfurt's and a little bit Wolfsburg's faltering at the end of the season to even make it into the Champions League. Um, so not having to struggle for that is basically an improvement, if you want. But I would agree that they are nowhere near where they could be, given all the quality and potential in most of their players. So the question is, why is this collection of talent not working as a cohesive unit? Uh, especially considering uh, that there haven't been too many changes from last season to this. I mean, uh, a lot of times it's just Koble and Marlon in the starting lineup uh, that's different from last season. So unless I'm completely blanking on anyone, I think that's pretty much accurate. So Koble is a better goalkeeper than what they had last season. Uh, I mean, sancho is obvi- gone. <laughs> Marlon is obviously a step down from, from Sancho, but you can argue that the further emergence of Bellingham, the uh, further development of uh, Haaland when he's available uh, kind of counteracts that to, to a degree and obviously they are playing a bit differently. So it's not like uh, the, 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 there's so much change in personnel or personal turnover that you know they still have to find themselves. And it's also not like Mark Rose is this uh, genius tactician who's overwhelming his team with uh, 15 different approaches every every two games i mean they they have a pretty pretty manageable uh repertoire of tactical ideas, ideas i would argue uh which so far haven't been put into place by this coaching staff and the players and once again i say that's probably down to uh a lack of an identity uh, within the club and within the first team i mean do we do we have a uh, have a clear idea uh, what this team is supposed to stand for? No, it's it's a collection of individual talent, a lot of great uh, players which are super fun to watch when they're on the game, but uh, when the going gets tough, it too often we see their deficiencies and that they are not more than the sum of their parts, which a good team usually is. So um, I think it's a bit premature to you know say you know they have to change. X amount of players next summer or within the next uh, 18 months or whatever but I think uh, it's never too early to think about you know team planning in general and I definitely would argue that they need to uh, take a long look at you know how they construct their teams uh, you know from, from year to year or in, in three year in, installments or whatever uh, and, and maybe it's not you know, the best idea to keep on piling on talent, uh, especially young talent, onto this team. Maybe it would be better and Zulu is a good step in the right direction to go for established but still hungry players that, you know, give you a more solid baseline, uh, if that makes sense. I mean... We know that Dortmund can't compete with Bayern anyway, so uh, it's the question is how solidly can they uh, achieve the target of coming in second in the league, making it as far as as they can in, in Europe and maybe win the cup. And you know, the, a more solid baseline might be a bit less exciting uh, because you don't sign you know the the greatest talents in the world all the all the time, but it might be a more sustainable approach uh, especially to build on something because once you have that solid foundation you can always add to it Uh, you can always build another layer of talent sign another uh, uh, layer of potential but you need the solid foundation and it seems to me that even when they tried to do that you know with back in the day delaney and witzel for example it only works out for for so long so once again it comes down to identity i would say
0: well, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I tried so hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let it all out last. Uh, in the meantime, though, I have a question for you. I think which uh, is, is is a perfect question for your um uh, <coughs> your notion about identity. Bless you again. Uh, and that is uh, uh, Rafael Guerrero's contract is uh, running out. Uh, I think uh, 2023, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think he's willing to extend his contract. Um, Lars, if you were a Dortmund official right now, uh, would you, should you extend this contract? And if so, why or why not? Um, I mean, I,
1: I, I think it comes down to, are you better with him or without him? I mean, obviously he has deficiencies which are hard to cover for especially uh in the current setup with hummels as the left center back most times um you know he's not someone who will uh, fill the gaps that guerrero leaves behind him if 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 uh he goes forward which he obviously likes to do because that's where his qualities lie uh, so i if we we were to say um it's going to be Homels for the next four years. Do we want Guerrero next to him or another player? I might say another player, but I don't know who they can get. And we also have to take into account that for all his defensive issues, Guerrero is still one of the most creative players in the entire league. Uh, he has um, the best arsenal of goals and goal-scoring techniques of a left-back in, in Europe, I would say. I don't necessarily know who else would be in in the discussion. Um, especially since uh, Alaba plays center back for a couple of years now Um, and also uh, he's very well liked within the team and I don't know if if people have watched the YouTube series where they have to identify the player fitting the given criteria the best Uh, there's always the question who's the best pure football player on the team and I think um, outside of Haaland and his playing partner, everyone so far has said Guerrero is the best player on the team in, in in pure football terms. I mean, that says something, because they have obviously a lot of very talented players, so he's very
0: much accepted in that regard. But does he live in brief Borussia Dortmund? Something I mean, you just demanded.
1: I... I, I do not recall saying they'd have to live and breathe well I you mean, were talking
0: about some identity uh, what, whatever it is I, I, I think it needs to start there
1: <laughs> somehow I mean that, that that, to me sounds like the typical fan pipe dream of winning the Champions League Champions League with Kevin Grozkreuz and, and Jakub Boczikowski which <laughs> I, I Doppel mean, came very close to uh, obviously <laughs> Yeah, but but they still also had uh, Mario Götze and, and Robert Lewandowski, who both were playing for Bayern uh, 12 months later. Or, yeah, 12 months later. Uh, or, you know, 14 months later. Or well, two um, months later. <laughs> so, uh, no, Lewandowski and Götze well, together Go- 14 months later. Yeah,
0: in, in Götze's case. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep.
1: So, I mean, uh, I didn't say live and breathe, and, and uh, that's not a category I think in. <laughs>
0: um, well, i do. I mean he
1: yeah why do you ask me then um, just say your your stuff
0: well i i don't know i, I just i just want to want to hear your opinion but my opinion is uh it it's it's very difficult it's my relationship status with rafael guerrero you know on, on facebook i think you had the option it's complicated that's to me what it is right now because i feel like it's really hard to argue against retaining Rafael Guerrero because of the terrific footballer he is, but at the same time, I don't feel like he's giving a hundred percent, and it's it's a worry to me because so often I feel like that drags down uh, other teammates because I feel like he is lacking leadership on on the field. And if you want to play the system that don't want to play right now, and I think that's the direction they're going, every cog in that machine needs to fire or you are doomed. And, um, that's, that's my one concern. But, you know, you've made a good point is if, if, if you don't extend Guerrero's contract and say you try to sell him to, to another team, uh, can you do better? I'm also not so sure. The other thing I wanna say, I would love to make to, to for for Dortmund to to listen to what Guerrero said to Sport 1, I think it was. I only saw the quotes on Twitter. I didn't read the, the interview on the website or I don't know if there's even a video or whatnot. But um he said that his favorite position is is the central midfield. Um the position where he played under Thomas Tuchel, and that's where he Likes to play. And I think Guerrero is, you know, also not getting younger and he's also not getting faster. And I also don't think he's going to become a better defender. So um, I think if you extend with Rafael Guerrero, there needs to be a strategic choice that you say, okay, um, you're going to be your left back maybe for another season or so. But in the long term, uh, we see you in our central midfield and uh, we will try. To replace Nico Schulz with someone who's a little bit more capable on that position, I don't know how feasible all of this is what I just said, but i I think um this is where the future needs to go. I think you have way more upside uh, from Guerrero you know i I even could see him playing over say more in in that position because I think he has a very similar skill set to Dahoot, but I think. He is a slightly better defender even. Maybe I'm completely wrong and other people will disagree with me, but I just think if you put him in central midfield, uh, he does not do a lot of brain-dead <laughs> things that Dahoud does. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I also think he will play a lot more uh, killer through balls where Dahoud already excelling in. I just think he has even more upside if he gets into a, a rhythm in that uh, position, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a very uh, interesting personality or a personal decision right now because I feel like a, a lot of frustration is often unloading on on Rafael Guerrero. But I mean, if you if you watch the uh, the game against Leverkusen, um, you know there are also a lot of questions that need to be asked about Marco Reus and about Hazard and obviously uh, once again about Julian Brandt. Uh, Daniel Marlin, obviously um he still has a little bit of uh, uh, rookie protection if you will but um yeah i think uh the Royce discussion is also one that needs to be had at some point i don't know if if today is the day to have that no it he, isn't he's a, he's a club legend but uh yeah uh, y- you can you can see the sun setting at the horizon sl- slightly but uh yeah um I don't know. I don't want to go there um, just yet. Can
1: Can I correct you on Guerrero real quick, though? Yeah, sure. Because you have uh, almost to an exemplary degree provided us with an example of not just reading headlines on Twitter, uh, I suppose, because Guerrero didn't say uh, he feels best at in central midfield. Uh, rather, he says he feels best at the left side of midfield, which... Is a ah. bit curious because he barely plays that, uh, well, has barely played that position in Dortmund. Um, uh, left number eight he, is, he, oh.
0: is what I think is his best position, though. Yeah, right. but he didn't say that, and okay. he
1: also didn't didn't mean left wing back in a in a back five. So um, maybe he meant left sided central midfielder. But he also said uh, that he liked it best when he played left midfield and had Sancho ahead of him. Which hmm. I mean, I don't know how that works, but you know, interesting. Nevertheless, uh, I think. Uh, given that he wants to extend and it's hard to find a uh, an improvement in terms of a replacement, I think it's pretty likely that he's going to extend. So, this is very much an an academic
0: discussion. Yeah, which It's also not the which, end of the world, now, is it? Yeah,
1: which w- would also be the case with Royce because obviously they're not going to ship uh, a club legend and the team captain just away and and tell him to retire. So as long <laughs> as Marco Royce wants to play for open, <laughs> he's going to have a contract. So yeah. The, the real question would be uh, should he be untouchable in terms of the starting 11 and you know once again I mean maybe the, the 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 dip in form which has been ongoing for weeks now in terms of Royce would have been more of a problem for him if Gio Reyna had been available all the time but seeing as he's only now available for selection for the starting 11 for uh, the game in Berlin on Sunday um, obviously there wasn't much of an opportunity for uh Rosa to give Royce that kind of message.
0: Yeah, exactly. Also I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing just with a different spin in a more positive light for Royce. I would have just said that uh I don't think Royce's dip in form like that would have happened uh with a fit Rayner because I just think Rosa actually would have had the option to rest him a little bit more, which if we're frank, I, I just don't see it uh as the situation was in, in the recent months. So yeah, Royce is having a dip in form and I think that's normal and Dortmund just need to have uh, better alternatives and I think with Reiner you have a really decent alternative where you can say, okay, maybe Royce does not start every game, sometimes comes off the bench and then uh, you put Reiner in the slot. Um, I think if we talk about positives from the Leverkusen game, the couple of minutes that Reiner had, he already looked uh, in in a in a relatively good shape and made some uh, nice passes in some nice plays, so um at least that's something to look forward to. Uh, I I really hope that uh, he can hit the run sort of gr- sort of running, uh because I mean I think Dortmund took extra care uh to be also extra patient with him to to return to full fitness first and not just. Throw him in at the next best chance they got uh, to maybe burn him again. Uh, I think they're doing a similar thing with Haaland now. Uh, if I uh, if I've read correctly on Twitter, because once again don't have much time right now. Didn't even watch the press conference. Uh, I I think Rosa said that it's or 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 there were reports that it's more likely that he will play against Glasgow than against Union Berlin. It's a bit touch and go with him right now. Um. Last, if we look forward uh, to Sunday's game, what's Um, squad selections uh, does Rose have to make I think Meunier is also out uh, so is Wolf so uh, I don't know is Chan returning and play right back or how is that going to be solved
1: I mean John is going to be in the squad Uh, I suppose that he's the favorite to start at right back unless they want to make a a tactical shift which um, might not be the worst idea (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Paslak, I don't know that he's necessarily a, a realistic option these days. Um, no, but I, I'm pretty sure Union are going to play with the back three, right? So um, giving them five midfielders usually means Dortmund might just do the same uh, and and play with. A back three consisting of uh, Akanji, Hummels, who should be Phil again uh, to start, and Zagadou, who needs to redeem himself, with uh, Guerrero and Azar in the wing-back roles. I mean, I mean it's not a bad lineup, right? has a lot of experience from the Belgian national team, has played that position a couple of times. I, it, I'm not sure I like it too much these days because to me a the entire season basically has looked like he's running in quicksand I mean <laughs> injuries have definitely taken their toll on him this season he he just looks slow to me and unathletic almost um, but I mean obviously they don't really have much of a choice unless they want to throw in John uh, or even Paslak but I don't necessarily see that so I'm pretty sure it's going to be the back three Um and then the, the the big question, I suppose, is do they once again go without an out-and-out striker uh, after Marlin was completely lost uh, against Leverkusen? I don't know that I like that idea because if if uh, Unión play with three centre halves, they are going to eat Marlin alive. Um, obviously, with with five midfielders in, uh, in in terms of Dortmund as well, maybe they don't need to hoof it long to Marlin all the time. Um, bad idea but also uh, we know how Dortmund play at Union the, both times they've visited the Alta First they've come away with a defeat um,
0: and were clearly out hustled and out coached
1: yeah so uh so n- Ultimately I think I would like to see either Mukoko or Tiggis start. I mean I wouldn't necessarily usually uh, advocate a start for Steph Tiggis but I just don't necessarily wanna see <laughs> one, I don't want to see another uh, game of Malen against the world uh, as the lone striker. so Mukoko has the uh, good experience of scoring his first professional goal at Union and he was really a man all game uh, in, in that game. Uh, Tiggis, pretty much unbeknownst to everyone, I think, is uh, right now the the best uh, joker, as we say in Germany, the the best uh, super sub with uh, three goals as a sub this season. Um, So maybe that's why you shouldn't start him. But I think given the the peculiarities of Union, it might make sense to have a bigger bodied striker up front. Um, Obviously Haaland isn't available for selection, even from the bench unless they they, uh, played a trick on all of us, which I don't necessarily see them having done so. Uh, So, yeah, Um, back three, and I'm going to say Tiggis up front.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, Midfield, I guess you will have a Dahoud and Bellingham partnership then. And then up top then, uh, or, well, not up top, but in attacking midfield, if you will, I guess, Royce Brandt. I don't know. I don't know if Reina is fit enough to start yet or would you maybe still play Marlon but more in a midfield position in behind Tigges or Mokoko? Uh No, I, I
1: think he should be on the bench. If if it's a 3-5-2 or 3-6-1 or however you want to uh, draw it on, on the whiteboard. Um, I, I think, think
0: right now... Uh, the the hypothetical whiteboard has a, a three six one on it.
1: Yeah, in that case, I don't think Mal makes the most sense. So unless unless uh, Royce is going to get a break, um, yeah, I would not do that.
0: Well, let us let, ask that question real quick because uh, we it's do. It's not play- gonna happen, Stefan. Fine,
1: he's <laughs> he's he's not gonna. Uh, 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 that that would be too way too much of a political statement, especially after a two five defeat at Liverpool. They're not going to put Royce on the bench if he's available in terms of fitness.
0: Fine, I mean, it's it's also not unusual from for Royce to then bounce back with a better performance. We've seen it before, so. Uh... Even though I can't and think it's not the, and it's
1: it's not like Royce was the singularly bad player against Leverkusen. I mean, if no. you want to talk about having to bounce back, it would be uh, nine of the eleven players or ten of the eleven players. I think Munier actually did pretty well in the first half before he had to come off injured.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a shame that he's out again. Uh but uh yeah. It's 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 a very weird season and uh I can't wait to see what the game against Union Berlin will bring because I think uh, it's it's really unpredictable. You know, if he had asked me a week ago before the Leverkusen game about the next two games, I would have probably penciled in a win against Leverkusen. Eh, maybe not, but uh, more likely than I would have against Union Berlin. But, um, you know... I I feel like there is a bit more pressure now on Dortmund again, as there always is after such defeats, and maybe that will help them get their uh, stuff together, and uh, we'll we'll see something better. Um, you you said pre-part that um your Berlin also have some uh, personal issues. I think Gieselmann is out. Heinz uh, is out with COVID. is out, and uh, Kidira is uh, suspended on on a uh, fifth yellow. Um. I don't know that much about Union Berlin that I want to uh, really say that either of those players are big time losses. But uh, I mean, they they did lose Max Kruse, which we uh, addressed uh, last week. Um, but they still have Avouni up top, uh, a player that obviously will hurt Dortmund, and which is why I prefer back three anyway because I think that's you know a better better way to. Uh, Contest against his pace, especially with the uh, the sort of centre backs we have, who are all very keen to leave the back line. So, um, maybe in in that regards, I I do like the back three even even more. Um, what do you think Dortmund have to do, uh, to beat Union Berlin for once?
1: Uh, avoid set pieces, first and foremost. I mean, we all remember the memes of uh, Michel Zorc sitting on the bench, shaking his head in disbelief after conceding yet another corner against uh, Union. Uh, and, I mean, you were right to assume better things against Leverkusen than Union, at least going by form away from home versus form at home. Because while Dortmund, up until last week, I suppose, were the best team uh, at home in the Bundesliga, away from home, they've been quite lackluster this season and have lost at uh, Freiburg, uh, lost at Gladbach, a couple of other... uh, Lost at Hertha, obviously. uh, You know, a few few more disappointing results. And definitely performances as well. Yeah, so... I mean... I think people look at this. Uh, think Union relatively recently came up to the Bundesliga, still a bit of an underdog story. Lost Max Kruse. Yeah, so obviously, this is a must win game for Dortmund. And mm. aside from assuming every game is must win, because Dortmund are the, the more talented side in 32 of 34 matches in the Bundesliga, or let's say 25 or so at least. Um, This is definitely a a difficult fixture for every team, Uh, especially at Berlin. They also have 10,000 fans back in the stands. Uh, I think 9,500 of those will be Union fans, so it's going to be a hostile atmosphere so i mean i'm not necessarily expecting a fun 90 minutes for dortmund and i think if you uh, offered me as a dortmund representative uh, a draw right now i would quite uh, be quite tempted so especially considering uh, in this this crazy season union are actually one of the uh, direct rivals if you like of dortmund's in terms of the champions league spots so uh a draw at union this season definitely not a bad result even if uh you know in a in a vacuum or on paper you, you would assume that Dortmund should beat them.
0: Well uh yeah I, I don't know. My uh my score prediction will be a two all draw and then we'll we'll go from there. What's yours? Ditto. Alright. Um yeah. I I think we can also just end it here. Uh do you have any final thoughts? uh no okay all right then uh that's it for this week <laughs> we will be back uh with another episode on monday to discuss the uh union berlin game and then preview the match against glasgow rangers um so i'm looking forward to that one and uh yeah that's pretty much it uh i don't feel like doing a whole outro right now so uh as always everyone out there thank you for listening and goodbye